She's Rachel Gardner, yeah, just hi, in case Tom. you're a first-time <laughs> listener. Um, and uh, and so, look, here's, let me start off with a youth ministry conundrum for Ooh. you. Because this happened to me at church on Sunday. <gasps> a young person, aged, uh, I, think, I think he's 16. Oh, how dare he! Rocks up in the morning service. What? Knows nobody. What? Sits down in church. And then somebody says, who are you? You're here with someone? He goes, oh, I just... Just turned wow. up to see what it's all about. Oh, wow. And you, you would think we would be all set up for that. <laughs> but you're like, that's suspicious. There's, I see what? There's two, there's two things. <laughs> One is suspicion. You're immediately like, Deep suspicion. come on, what, what's this all about? <laughs> Are you trying to find a safe place to sell drugs? Is that <laughs> what Rygate. this is? Uh, uh, probably not in Rygate. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing is like panic. You're like, oh my goodness. <gasps> Fresh meat. What, what are we going to do? What group do they fit in? Yeah. Can they help out with the kids' church? Who can help? Like, what? Where do we... Who speaks to him? What What do we say? So I rock up. My standard line to young people now is, Hi, I'm Martin. I make I'm a so terrible good. first impression. Because I do. I let every kid I meet now, I'm like, Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm like a sort of cool uncle, maybe. Or just a sort of... Slightly less sad dad. Do you have a lanyard around your neck? Is there I anything that says it's okay to trust I, me? I have a lanyard that says, do oh. not approach this man <laughs> around the outside. That's phenomenal. What do you, but what do you do? What do you do with it? He turned I know, up. I know. And you do panic. You do What's panic. the best thing to do in that scenario, Rachel? Well, I think they've, they've, done the, they've done the hard work of getting in there. So I think they're just curious about what happens now, aren't they? So... I think let them see us in all our wild and weird glory. And I think that's... They've, they've already had... Yeah. He'd already had two people. The first person was a, a lovely fem- elderly female steward who was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, oh. I'll find you a man. <laughs> and, then, and then, so she found him a man. Yeah. And then a man said, hello, I don't, I don't know what to say. Yes. I'll get the youth leader. Yes. I'll go and get Martin. So he ran across the road. I was in a group across the road, brought me over. Oh. Then I made the terrible first impression. He's not coming back, is he? But interestingly, I, that is the story that we tell ourselves of that event. I wonder if the story he tells himself is quite different. Go on. I wonder me. if he walked in deeply curious. Maybe, maybe he prayed and said, God, I want to meet you and do that. Or maybe, or maybe he was wandering around thinking, what is this place? Or maybe he had a hangover. I don't know. But, but the fact that actually people treated him with, oh, you're here. Oh, let's find someone. It, it, it possibly might have made him feel quite special. I mean, he's brave maybe. enough to walk in on his own and sit down there so my story of this and it is a, from a very very long time ago and I hate trooping out the old the old stories but it was of this young woman that wanted to find out if Christians were were nice in the UK because she found really nice Christians in the US and she walked into her local church with no one on the age of 200 and they were weird I'm sure they were weird with her I'm sure they were 
But her, how she recounted it to me was, wow, like they showed me where to sit and they did this and this and this. Like her, her reading of it was, they made me feel quite special actually. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? But I do think we probably do need to chat to our welcome team, don't we? Yeah, a little so bit. When you see somebody of the youth variety, do not freak out! Well, they don't expect to see. No. For understandable reasons, they don't expect to see a young yeah. person just rock up on yes. their own. My challenge was... Do you go light touch? Yes. Do you sort of go, hey, well, we meet on a Wednesday night, but whatever, yes. if I see you there, if I see you. Yeah. Or do you go to the other extreme and say, let me take you for coffee yes. immediately? Yes. Or just go for the jugular. It's amazing to see you. I am so curious. How the heck did you get yourself here today? Yeah. It's quite interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, In as much as if you walked into a mosque, you you would not be perturbed if someone said to you, it's amazing to see you. How the heck did you get in here? Yeah. Like, what, what's what's yeah, this about true. for you? Like, that's, name the curiosity. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it is but it is tricky, and we're not going to get this right, are we, all the time? And I, because I'm the other extreme, I have sometimes had to say to myself, "Back off now, back off now," because my one is um, when you see a family walk in with teenage children, oh. <gasps> I'm like all over it. And and do you talk to the parents? No. Do you talk to talk the, to the kids? teenagers yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. Always talk to the teenagers first. All this stuff because the parents see that. Yeah. Unless unless they're wallies. Yes. They go, oh, you're interested, you respect my teenager. Exactly. Good, you're probably quite good at this. Yeah, so I think it's, um, we, we do all make our mistakes and we learn from our mistakes, don't we? We do. But how amazing that he turned up. Yeah, so oh. we'll have to pray he comes back. <gasps> He's been invited on, on Wednesday night, we'll have to see if he returns. Jackie, did you drop a little tracking device, like in his hood, in his pocket as he left? We've got, we've developed <laughs> nanotechnology. <laughs> if you've seen the new, new series of Designated Survivor, it's all about oh, nanotechnology. Is it? Yeah, Oof. yeah. Oh. Fantastic. But isn't it interesting that we ha- we don't have the expectation that young people will just wander in and be curious? That's, yeah. And yeah. I think that's interesting. That yeah. raises good questions. But you are brilliant, Martin. All of which has nothing to do with today's... <coughs> but let's not change the Very, pattern. very <laughs> excellent guest. <sighs> I didn't call him special. No, all wonderful. He's very, very excellent. excellent guest. He is excellent. He's a good friend of so, ours, isn't he? Well, I was, you know, I was going to try and avoid that. Were you? Because, because I get stick for doing the my friend thing. But I've been, we've been in youth ministry for like a hundred years. Everyone is our friend. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Also, small world. It's Pete Winter. Hello, Pete. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for putting up with Martin Saunders. Pete is a great friend of youth ministry in the UK. A friend of youth ministry. Yeah, he is. No, absolutely. He's very, and I think that's what I really love about um, the people that we meet. The people that they're sort of slaying in their lane. But they're also deeply concerned and interested in what's happening in other denominations and other youth ministries and other programs. And I love that, that curiosity that I'm seeing in leaders about what God's doing in the whole nation, not just in the, the bit that we're doing. I love that. Right. I'm going to have to take us off on a tangent now because this is the second time you've said this. The first time you said it, I thought you'd made a spelling mistake in your, in your speech. Why? Slay in your lane. Slaying in your lane. So what, what is that? Well, there was a in brilliant book that came out last year by a fantastic young writer about about know what you're about right. and then do it really really well. Ah. Slay in your lane. So it's slay in your lane, not stay in your lane. Not stay. No, no, but no. But also no. do stay in your lane. But do so stay that in you lane. can slay in your lane. <laughs> yes. So is that this year's lean in? It, I think it possibly is actually. Oh, right. Slay in your lane. Know that this is what this is your groove. So this lean in. How about leaning in and slaying in your lane? Eh? Yeah. About that, laning. sister. And just short it's laning. Laning. Slaining. Slaining. Right. Uh, sorry for the tangent, but no, I think yeah, at least fine. one other listener we'll have would have been interested that in that. Right, so Pete Winter, yes. he is a wonderful man. He, he is, is a friend of youth ministry. Yes. He founded One Life. Uh, he's now the curate at Holy Trinity Brompton. 
really involved in the Leadership Conference, Leadership College London. He's got lots to say. Uh, you'll love this. Just a little word of warning. What? There were some slight... I was doing the recording. Okay. There was no producer, Rachel. And so there are some tiny little technical hitches. <gasps> Did you go to the toilet part? No, no, no. There are the, the the laptop just a couple of missing words. But see if you can spot the missing words and work out what they were. Are they your missing words? No, they're Pete's. Oh no! Don't mind if it's you. And then, and then one other thing, because in case that put you off, right at the end of the interview, there is an extraordinary revelation <gasps> of tabloid level. Ooh. Okay, so so there is an amazing revelation, and Ooh. it was something I knew about Pete, but I have never thought that he was going to share publicly, wow. and he does. Well, he's going public with something. On the Youthscape podcast. It's worth just sticking... Well, like, you don't have to stick it out because it's an amazing interview, but it's worth getting to the end for that. Are we allowed to then talk about it? Afterwards, yeah. Afterwards. Afterwards. The Youthscape podcast? Okay, hopefully this is going to work, Rachel. This should be Pete Winter. I was, yeah, I was. I was um, 
investigated and you know all sorts of things from the failures and the and the and the bits that went well as well, which is good. Yeah, so I was there as a youth pastor. Uh, I've actually got my start there for ten years, but it was I was five years as the youth pastor, and then the second five years was like honorary on the staff while we launched One Life. And I think some, yeah, didn't didn't the minister there actually give you a a desk? I think you're quite visionary at the time. Didn't you sort of get a desk at the church and and you? Yeah. So you tell tell us a little bit about how One Life was kind of born. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, Andy surely would have brought something over to church. They'd like given them away again and again and again because obviously people will know that uh, New Wine came out of St Andrew's Cordwood. Soul Survivor came out of St Andrew's Cordwood, and then um, much lesser known, really. But One Life did a few years later after that, and they just like as a church, a dignity, but also the church leaders there. They've always been so open handed and been like, okay, what's God doing? There seems to be something happening here. Why don't you have a go? And we'll cover the cost for the first year and see what happens. You know, really entrepreneurial, which is amazing thing for a church to do um and yeah they they just they just backed backed us really and it was all like um we, we gently worked our way into it i mean it was just typical youth work and the emphasis was around training young people to lead and to make a real difference in their schools and their friendship groups and my role became more and more kind of coaching mentoring leadership development and the young people's role became more and more what a classic youth pastor would be doing i suppose and things really grew we saw this amazing yeah golden I still think now to be honest like there was a sort of a three year period of real golden years where loads of young people chose to follow Jesus the youth group grew massively young people were motivated engaged I would even say that there was a moment in there for a year two years where I guess the predominant culture of youth stuff in Chorleywood was around what we were doing so it, it was almost you know you were not cool if you hadn't gone along to what we call 3D and if you were living in the in that town and you were at the school everyone knew about it and I know there was some sort of momentum thing that happened that was totally a God thing and was totally these young people stepping up and making a difference and so God was doing something and we began holding a few kind of very low-key conferences um, because churches and that that became got momentum and really became one life which we then launched about three years after that started happening and, and kind of made it an official charity that St Andrew's Chorleywood underwrote my salary for 18 months and then the rest was raised and off we went, which was amazing. And that's still going. So, I mean, One Life is a fantastic organisation. Lots of our listeners will be familiar with it. Um, yeah. And it's now led by Liz. It is Liz Bewley, who, um, who again was on the team for about four years before she became director of it. And, um, yeah, Liz was at St Barnabas Finchley in North London. She came through it with all her young people. She kept coming. Then she did a learning community with One Life. Then she got involved in a couple of the other programmes that we were running. And and so it was just, I kept whispering to her, um, uh, Liz, if, if, if it ever was that you thought it was right time to move on, then please don't go anywhere without talking to me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I came a moment where she said, well, look, I'm thinking about a change. And so the rest is history. So, um, so Pete, just just to sort of finish this chapter of your story, um, yeah. you know, wh- what was it about? Um, what was it working with young people uh, and seeing the potential in teenagers that really fired your interest in leadership? Because as we'll go on to talk about, you know, you've you've developed a real passion for leadership. Did, yeah. did that begin with working with young people? We all know, like they are always like amazing. 
them and influential yeah. young people? Or was it that you were really interested in leadership and you thought, what would it be like to look at youth work through that filter? Great question. I think uh, um, probably a mix of both. Like, you know, when you work, you have the privilege of working with young people and you get to see where they can flourish and thrive. Like, it's not easy, but it's amazing when you sort of stumble across it and suddenly something starts happening and you kind of see people step. So that definitely, that that was that was there and I, I saw the difference that young people who were believed in were encouraged and who were helped around through training the difference they made was extraordinary and you thought wow this is this is really exciting so I think that really sparked my interest in leadership but but I mean really honestly I, I made a I guess I grew up in a Christian family but when I was 14 it came alive for me I, the few years before 14 I was very like not that interested and not really that engaged and kind of um, trying to escape it really and playing in the graveyard if I got dragged along the church, that kind of thing, instead yeah. of getting involved. And then when I was 14, I saw a whole bunch of young uh, teenagers. I was in a boys, all boys kind of um, school in High Wycombe, and, um, and I went along and there were like 50 of these lads all praying away in a room, and they were really like going for it. And I think that made me realise, hold on, I think I really believe in God, and God could do something different, and they were talking to God as if he's actually listening. And it got me interested, and long story short, I ended up Jesus, I guess that's when I say I became a Christian, mm. and um, and within three weeks I was then leading a small group within that Christian union. Wow! And so my own story was very, very much like, okay, right, let's choose to follow Jesus now. What to lead and influence and go for it. And I had the right support around me. I wasn't just thrown into the deep end, but um, that was my experience. So I think when I came into youth ministry, I wanted. I, I mean, I was so underskilled, really. I trained to be a teacher, but didn't really know what I was doing, and um, turned up and just thought I just need to give these young people something that I had which is not for me to do it all but for the, to kind of release them to do it and get them going and yeah through all the kind of as I say the highs and lows of that um, that really excited me about the potential of what a person can do and when when they realize that God God believes in them he's got a purpose for them he can use them powerfully he can gift them mightily and when they step into that backed by a culture that is for them they just they just soar and do awesome things I guess that, that we've had a couple of people on the podcast who've pushed back a little bit on empowering young leaders or empowering them too much. I think I'm with yeah. you on this. Uh, I think we're of one mind that actually that's... Um, that's uh, good. I'm happy about that. Yeah, we yeah. Well, I think we are of one mind. Otherwise, your friendship would be out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be pretty bad if I said, Pete, I don't really believe in young leaders. That would be, that no, would, that would be like you saying to I'd me, like, I don't like Indian like food. We'll edit it to make me sound funny. Um, so uh, <laughs> we have to really edit it to make me sound funny. So um, uh, sorry. So, so we've had a couple of people on, on the on the podcast who've talked about you know the the danger of empowering young people too much too soon. Do you do you see a bit of that? Do you do you you know do you take that note of caution, or do you think generally speaking the church is pushing too hard on the other pedal and is too afraid to empower young people to lead? So I do see it from a point of view of I think we have to do it well and we have to provide kind of, um, you know, the right kind of care around releasing young people. But my, my general, and, and I, so I think that's good, you've got to work at that, you've got to work at what that looks like, what are the safety nets that catch a, a young person if you're going to put, suddenly put them into a bit more of a prominent or a public role. But leadership's not always on the whole public, sometimes it's totally behind the scenes, no one sees what you do. So, so you know, yeah, you can define leadership as well around that kind of empowering. But 
largely because of having a church and to really step up its game in terms of releasing young people because um, you know there's a whole load of cultural things um, that are going on where young people are very empowered they get a lot of opportunities through school and through um, you know all the social media stuff all the internet stuff that's happening now um, you know there are vast opportunities for young people and if the if the church doesn't really engage with saying okay well how do we do this how do we do this well for them um, then they, they'll learn to express their influence and their their you know their divine purpose in other places yeah um, and you know that's not not all bad you know some of that stuff's really good you know it's great that you get teenagers who are topping the charts or um, you know they're kind of given you know serious responsibilities in their schools and whatever it is that's you know that's all, obviously want all that to happen but but I think the church needs to really work on saying how do we release that if anything the danger of the church is that it, it, it kind of puts people in cotton wool and wraps them up because they're so scared and risk averse about saying something wrong or getting something theologically inaccurate or um, or you know just making a mess of something and, and we worry about failure but um, you know I think I think we've got to get over some of that and actually say it's okay to fail sometimes and, and that, that's important that's an important cultural piece if you want to young leaders in your context they have to know it's okay to fail otherwise they'll become perfectionists and it will drive a kind of performance based thing rather than a response to what Jesus is doing in their life type thing yeah. so that, that would be a cultural thing that's important that's good but that's I good. think you know, yeah largely I think we've got to, we've got to, we've got to do more of releasing them and letting them go because culture is doing that too and if they can't do it in the church then they'll do it somewhere else and then if they do it somewhere else they'll catch the bug for all the, all the bad as a whole um, without it being held by you know, all the positive stuff that the church can kind of invest and, and all that God wants to do through them. This is great, mate, and I think we could, we could probably spend the whole co- podcast talking about this. And the good news uh, yeah. is that you're coming to speak at the National Youth Ministry Weekend in uh, November. Um, I hope you know about that. I do, I do know about that, and I'm, I'm, I know about it, and I'm totally excited about it. I can't wait to be there, actually. Very good. So I think maybe there'll be an opportunity to unpack and explore some of this stuff around uh, young people, particularly at that. Um, Great. But uh, but but just uh, moving on a little bit through your story. So you um, you, you went and trained to uh, to sort of join the Church of England as an ordained minister. Um, yeah. And uh, and I know that was for you, kind of you know a, a long journey of discernment and, and figuring out what you know whether this was the right path and so on. But yeah. um, uh, all, all I say, all I mean by that is that you took it very, very seriously. You didn't leave day-to-day youth ministry kind of lightly. Um, so you then moved in. Well, I was, I was, I was just jumping there. So, I, but I'd still say I haven't, I still haven't left it. So, sure. And that was a part of it for me because I was like, I don't want to. I feel called to be murder generation and to leadership and the local church. Those three things. And when those three things intersect, I'm like, that's what I think I'm meant to do. Yeah. So I, I resisted all that even for so long because I was like, why, why would I get ordained? from the very people group that I feel called, gifted, passionate about reaching. Um, and a very brilliant bishop kind of grabbed my ear one time and said, yeah, but what, what if we ordain you to work with young people and we release you to do that as a pioneer minister, etc., etc." So that's been part of the story. And that was the only reason I said yes, I think. Yeah. So you've ended up, or you are currently, you ended up, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping there's even more to your story. But Please. right now... Uh, you're at uh, you're at HTB, which people yeah. will know for various reasons, including the Alpha course, of course. Um, yeah. So, what is your role there? And again, you know, it, it branches very much into this area of leadership uh, development, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, um, I continued to lead one life when I was here, and HTB kindly said, "Yeah, we'll give you time and space to be able to do that too." And I'm, and I'm still sort of involved with one life on the board and stuff. But um, I came here. I'm a 
seems to be pricking the needle for every tour of society. So it's very much progressing under one life vision um, here. And, and when I first came, you know, uh, one of the one of the one of the things that I was asked to think about was how can we reposition twenty to thirty um, and some of our staff and you know some of the clergy coming through. How can we really get forgiveness of what you've done in one life into what we're doing here? So we launched Leadership College London. So I'm the director of that, which trains trains people in distinctively Christian leadership, um, and that's people from all spheres, so politics, business, education, art, media, and I've loved that because I've been able to be on the ground with those guys, and sometimes in their workplaces, so to do some, I do some, sometimes do corporate leadership development coaching as well now, and all that has been beautifully feeding back into One Life as well, and trying to sharpen the issues there, so that we're really preparing young young people coming through for the workplace, and I'm more engaged in that workplace than ever before, I suppose, through that role now. So, and then, and then anything I can do here to kind of try and improve, develop, strengthen our leadership conference. Um, now I've done with our staff since we first launched Alliance College and so on. And anything leadership-wise, I kind of try and help and learn and grow in myself. And, and if I sort of think about, I mean, I've, I've heard you speak a bunch of times uh, on leadership. The kind of recurring theme among all the stuff you talk about on leadership um, is this idea of character first right yeah um, so just talk a bit about that for our for our listener like we talk about character a lot we pay lip service to character a lot but yep. um, but but why why again is that so important and how do we move beyond just kind of like saying asserting oh yeah yeah character is really it's all about character above skills because a lot of the time we say that but we don't act like it no we don't we get very committed over the now I think one, you know, one of the underpinning values of all the leadership stuff that um, I've been involved with or trying to work, work with has been this concept of character before gifting. And that phrase is really interesting to me. It's not character over gifting. I think, I think we still need leaders that are very gifted. We, we need leaders who are serious about their competencies and are growing in their abilities and are investing, um, developing the skills they need to pursue the passion that they have. So we, we've got to do that. So gifting is really important. You can't just throw that out the window. But this whole thing, so it's not like character over gifting, it's character before gifting. And so we're asking the question, how do you grow the kind of character of a leader that will sustain the, the strength of their gifting? So if you're going to improve their gifting, I think you've got to first and, and simultaneously develop their character. Because their gifting will lead them into greater opportunity. It will, it will lead them, ultimately, uncomfortably for lots of Christians, it leads them into greater power. And the question is, how are they going to wield that power? What are they going to do with that? How are they going to um, operate? What are the values that are going to undergird the, the exercise of their power? Um, and, and so that's a really interesting question. And, and I think we see every single day in the press issues of leadership and character. We see, we, you know, we, I think our, you know, the emerging generation are growing up automobile world or even the sporting world all the worlds that are influencing and changing and so often there are some really great role models there and we've got to celebrate that but often there's also like ah oh, our newspapers are littered with the headlines that disappoint us again and again and again and so the big question is how do you grow in character how can you become the kind of character leader that can undergird the kind of gifting you're going to emerge into get invested into that area so that you can do the long haul of leadership and actually lead well with integrity in a beautiful way that emulates you through the whole of your life rather than just boom and bust you know and have a great couple of years where it's spectacular and you rise to prominence and then you have a, a moment of utter chaos and the whole thing falls down and disappoints lots of people including 
to yourself and people that you've impacted. So that I, I, grappling with that is one of the biggest things I think we have to do as a church, and, and we have to do if we want to build leaders in a safe way. And um, uh, we've got one more big thing to talk about, but just on this, um, if people are interested to kind of connect with, find out more about Leadership College London, what, yeah. how does the kind of average person kind of engage with what you're doing? Um, so at the moment, it's, it's just courses that we run. So there isn't like an online thing. Um, and we're building that skill, learning that skill to network. So that over 600 people have come through Leadership College London at one level or another. Um, we run a variety of courses. You can check them out on our website, uh, leadershipcollegelondon.org. Um, the, probably the come, come and see if you want to experience something would be the Get Thinking Leadership course, which is a four or five week intensive course. And we run that in London. We also run that in other parts of the world. So next year, obviously, probably in one or two other locations globally. We just ran one in Malaysia uh, last month. And that, that's focused at, we teach it to a, um, of all ages, predominantly 20s and 30s, but we get much more senior leaders coming on, on it as well because they're hungry to learn about the, the Christian leadership as opposed to just some of the leadership courses that their workplaces offer. Um, and that would be a great place to start for, for people who are probably over 21, 22. Anyone under that age? Um, intensives that we run every year. Um, and you can find out about that on onelonelearder.com. Uh, thanks, mate. So, so um, uh, kind of last thing to talk about, really. Um, you are involved in uh, an event, which uh, is the kind of HT. It's has come out of the HTV network of family churches, and of course, there's a there's quite a wide network now, um, which is called Focus, uh, yep. and that happens every at the start of every summer. Um, yep. And uh, and you kind of made an announcement um, a little while ago that that, that you guys were going to soup up. The, uh, the youth dimension of focus. Um, yeah. So can you fill us in on uh, what's happening and when it all kicks off and how people can find out about it? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, as, as it's come into other organisations, which is really great and other things going on. And, um, yeah, we've, I mean, focus has been going for 25 years and it's been a sort of celebration of all the church plants that have come out of HTV in one way or another and now the kind of grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of these church plants. So it's gathering of 678 churches and it's focused primarily on the network for HTV, so that's all coming to focus. Um, and it, through those 25 years, there's been youth ministries there all the time, you know, much as there would be at you know, some of the other places like Rewind and so on. So in the youth venues, we have about a 1,000 um, young people and team together. And so I think, you know, obviously, as we were considering and working and responding to all that, you know, and it's going on with Soul Survivor and um, thinking through 2020 and beyond, um, we just felt like, we, well, we, we need to invest in a greater way there because a lot of our churches are launched on Soul Survivor, which is great, yeah. um, as well as Focus. And so we were thinking, okay, well, how do we really help our young people to land well here and actually give them a little bit more, more intentionally because they perhaps won't have that in that place anymore. So that's, that was kind of the heart of it. And the, the idea really is to, um, to see the next generation come alive in Jesus, bring strength and courage to the church, and, and to then um, ultimately really help play our part in helping lead the UK into wholesale revival. Um, as we seek to sort of, I, you know, I'm really excited about the future of this. I think there's going to be, you know, a number of new festivals that will emerge in different ways over the coming years. We've, we've heard about some of them. We haven't heard about some of them yet. You know, others will emerge as we go. And I think, I think we're going to build this hopefully godling this tapestry of opportunity for young people all over the UK to meet with Jesus, um, whether they travel for that or it's just down their road. Um, and so we're, so we're sort of just playing our part in that in, in a sense. So. 
coverage updating investigating a bit more my, my that's become part of my remit as well to oversee that alongside any investment business uh, people which include you know tom clark and other people at hcb but also coming across the tonga network and birmingham and john bryson and then a couple of the four four uh, five teenagers on that innovation team as well who are all kind of flash creative that's really going to engage the generation um and uh, So, um, so it's a bit watch this space. Um, yeah. People will kind of follow, focus uh, on social media and so on, and, and hear more about that as as it develops. Yeah, they totally can um, as it as it goes. And I say, you know, focus kind of primarily on the Tonga network and, and what we're doing. It's called Focus Alive, the, the community. Um, so what we're doing in that space is again primarily focus networkers and all their friends. So you know, encouraging other people to bring their friends to help them do camping um, at that as well. Um, and then there'll be other different openings for other churches just if, if they want to come. But equally, we're not we're not running around trying to make that happen or anything. It's just you know we're we're just feeling our way as we go. Fab, um, mate, it's brilliant to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Um, I have two quick questions as we finish. They're very quick ones. Okay. Number one, uh, who is the most famous person in all your kind of leadership kind of travels and stuff? Who's the most famous person in leadership that you you've met? And were you disappointed when you met them? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, there's been a few. I've, I've had the privilege of spending time at Simon Sinek and John Maxwell, that whole Christian world. Uh, but I'm going to say David Beckham. Oh, I wondered whether you'd bring him up. Yeah, we love, we love David. Um, David Beckham, who um, I actually see quite regularly. Um, and um, he is... I, I am not disappointed. Do you know what? I'm actually... Um, I'm a real advocate, more so for knowing him So he made his mistakes on the way, you know that as well. But you know, he's the real deal. He's a real family man, and um, I've been really impressed with what I've seen. Yeah. Oh, mate. I mean, we just have to leave it there. There's no way to follow that. <laughs> There's no way to follow that. You did that with all humility, and to be fair, I knew about it and I brought it up. So just to I, I wondered whether you were angling for it. Of course, I was. I've already, I've already got you to talk about your upcoming second wedding. Now you've dropped the whole <laughs> Beckham thing. This is this podcast has got a million downloads written all over it. <laughs> oh well, I hope it helps you for some reason. And I can't wait to meet you for the um, for the conference that's great in November. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Pete. And you, mate, and we'll speak soon. Thanks. We've got to go for that walk on Box Hill sometime. One day, mate. One day. Going to happen. Been, been talked about for many years. Will you see if David? Free to bring Victoria and the family. No problem. I'll ask. Fab. See you soon. I don't, Pete has not given me permission to share this, Ooh. but I'm going to tell it anyway because Ooh. it's too funny. You're just on a roll, aren't you? So, Pete, when Pete first told me about the whole Beckham thing, mm-hmm. he showed me the um, the video that he'd taken at his 
daughter's sports day. And it's David Beckham in the background. And yeah, so what he did was he deliberately filmed uh, his daughter, I nearly said her name then, his yes. daughter's race yes. um, so that he could then end the shot <gasps> on David. Was, were they friends at this point or was this like no. a pre-friendship? No, this is pre-friendship. Like, but um, but but he just so he, he just swung that. the of camera course. around and then just held it David's on just a David, yeah, just you the do that tattooed with all dad the next so to him. You. you take film of all the parents. Yeah, and it but it would have looked really. It was the naturally. one time he could have naturally got his phone yes. out and taken yes. some footage. Yes. Um, but he did that. And of course, all the spikey pies in the trees would have spotted his daughter. Oh, they'd have seen it. They'd that footage so no longer exists. It no longer exists. I, I, um, years ago, was babysitting my friend's daughter, and there's a park in central London called Paddington Park Gardens, if you want to know, where at the time Kate Moss was often playing with her little daughter. Oh. And I would take my friend's daughter and be like, can you just go and play with that? Go and play with her. Over there. On this, I would be constantly really? like, trying to engineer. Trying to become friends with yeah, Kate. Yeah, Kate Moss, yeah. Did it? No, no, not happen. Never worked. Never worked. Because little girls didn't ever want to play with that. I just go, do you want to play with someone over there? With someone else's parent. I want to talk to them. I wonder if other people oh, have done that. I bet yeah. other people have done <laughs> of that that thing of sending your child in to play with a celebrity's kids. And you know when you see a celebrity or anybody that you feel is famous, like <laughs> what you do is you say, oh, they, you're David Beckham. Like, does anybody not yeah. do that? When yeah. you just name them. Oh, you're Martin Saunders. Like, it's a weird thing. No one's ever done that. No, <laughs> No one's ever done you're, that. You're superfy. People have done that. They have done that. Now, <laughs> we have been joined yes, by an extra happening. guest who's, yes, and I'll be love. honest, she's here to do an advert. Yeah, she is here to but do an advert. But so, she's such a fount of wisdom on all yes. things that I thought whilst we have our little debrief from the Pete Winter yes. fiasco, Oof, um, I, I thought we'd introduce Dr. Lucy Shuka. <gasps> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hello, Dr. Lucy Shuka. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Very good. That's also never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Although my daughter calls me Lucy does instead she? of mummy. Does she? Just yeah. recently. Yeah. I don't know when you I might start getting her to call me Dr. Lucy. Doc? She's going to yeah, do first names. At least address me properly, child. Oh my goodness. Imagine, oh. imagine getting your your <laughs> child to call you Dr. Lucy. That's very like that'll, that'll Ed- Edwardian. S- that'll stop her calling me by my first name. My so daughter shouts, Mother! <laughs> Lucy, have you ever anyway. sent your daughter in to play with a celebrity's child in have the hope that you might meet said celebrity? Weaponised your child <laughs> your own oh, Let me just have a little think. Um, do you know what? No, but um, we've been spinning in and out of Parliament a fair amount. Oh. And so, I do occasionally get sent pictures of her, like, skipping across a scene where there's some very famous politician in the background, or, like, holding their hand, or doing something or another, which is only only famous for politics. Has she, was she ever the baby that a politician kissed? (laughs) Yes, because her dad is a politician. Oh, yeah, okay. But no, they never, they never brought in a more high-profile politician to kiss the baby. Was she, like, a prop, you mean? Yeah. Um, not that I, oh, oh, maybe, actually, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. Move off. This yeah, topic. yeah, yeah. So I was gonna just talk one one more round on the whole leadership thing. Yes. So I've got a little, I've got a general wonderment going mm. around my head at the moment around leadership, and uh, and it sort of comes off the back of some of what we were talking about with Pete. So we have probably in the last 15, 20 years, certainly inside the church, had more books written about leadership, more talks given about leadership, more institutes of leadership and courses on leadership, and yet. This is a time in history that we are talking about leadership in crisis. So the very time that we've been investing 
in leadership the most is the coincides with the period where we've seen the weakest and worst leaders emerge. Why? Why is that happening? What's going on there? Hi, hi, Pete? hi all the leaders listening to this. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> People will have downloaded this because it's got Pete Winter on it. Yeah. Sorry, leaders. Not you. I didn't mean you. You're great. Is, is that a reading of leadership that isn't widely accepted? That leadership is in crisis. Yes. Would you say that's widely? And well, why? it comes from the top, doesn't it? So mm. if you look at, um, uh, you know, our political leaders. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Then okay. absolutely, yeah. leadership yeah. is in crisis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we are seeing some great local yeah. leaders emerging in uh, politics and also in in faith communities. Absolutely. But there is a bit of a perceived wisdom that there aren't lots of great role model mm. leaders around. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know whether that's true inside mm. the church as well. I don't know that that's true. I just, I just think there are some particularly high profile, awful leaders ah, who are so powerful that, <laughs> can you give me a cup? Um, that it feels, uh, the, the question, you have to ask the question, how is it possible that someone of such little character could have ended up say for example so that so that is a question that has to be answered and I don't know so your question of how is this happening at the same time the way I've been thinking about it recently is just anyone who, anyone I meet who says I'm doing coaching or I'm doing something to help people form character or self-awareness I just want to grip them by the shoulders and just thank you because the like the world needs leaders with character and self-awareness mm, yes. so deeply but there is a lot of conversation about that in business and mm. in even in the education system, mm. character is now back on the yes, it agenda. Is. It's coming yeah. back in. So I think yeah. so. Yeah. There is lots of investment, and it's really, really necessary. Mm. I think the clashes, you know, celebrity culture, yeah. um, fame without character. The fact that that's possible just means mm. that investment in leadership is so so much more important than it ever was before. Yeah, you can't take for granted that yeah. leaders will have done that work. It's deeply hypocritical culture, isn't it, around mm. that at the moment? And I, and I was listening to an interesting podcast about politics and saying one of the challenges for democracy is that to become a senior politician and then potentially a prime minister, you've got to play the game. It's a, it's the members of the party that vote for you. And, and we're seeing less membership. Of, I mean, I'm not a member of a political party. And so actually we're seeing people like myself are kind of opting out of being having a political voice really which means yeah. that when it comes to really big decisions it's left mm -hmm. to a very small group of people to make decisions that affect all of us so it's, it's interesting isn't it just how that translates into church setting the brand mm -hmm. of leadership mm -hmm. that we feel we have no say that platforms still feel very close to, to people because of their gender or ethnicity or you know background so it's interesting just the, the mm -hmm. kind of the gatekeepers of leadership is, is still not shifted much in 20 mm -hmm. 30 years mm -hmm. it's still a minority that really get the so I, I, I buy all of that, but also we seem to be living in an era where going the other extreme, having zero character, moral compass, <laughs> care for minorities, mm. or, or almost that is rewarded. Again, we talked about the higher profile people, but, but also if you go against those things that might be seen as expressions of great character, like caring for the other, mm. you are then lauded as a hero, you know, who's not putting up with all this you know, politically correct nonsense. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that kind of leadership is seen as strong. But that is a problem because yeah. obviously the people who are at the very top of our institutions are always going to be role models of sorts. Mm -hmm. People are going to look mm -hmm. at them and say, to become successful, I need to do these things. Mm -hmm. So there must be a generation 
of people in the States right now who are growing up looking at Donald Trump and thinking, this model of leadership works. This, this gets you popular. This gets you money. This gets you power and success. Um, and so that's really problematic, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Within the church, however, I still think there is a bit of an issue there. And I think there's some, we talked a lot about the lure of the platform mm. and the book deal and the mega church and all that sort of stuff. But those are still lauded as hallmarks of success as a leader. So if you are a really successful leader, you're going to get a book deal with like the best publisher, right? And if you are a really successful um, church leader, you're yeah. going to be main stage yeah. at certain conferences. Mm. And unless you attain those things, you're a maverick outsider, mm. you know? Mm. Um, you're not quite, you're not quite really, you're not really quite made as a leader. And I think we, the problem is money and power are forces within the church as mm. well as outside Absolutely. it. We don't talk about money at all really mm. inside the church except it's a it's a natural thing like mm. people who lead churches are still people <laughs> can i just say that one of the most successful little series we did in our church was money sex and power mm. oh yeah we, we just taught on that and it was and we just named all this stuff and people still talk about it as a really defining moment did you use church. richard foster's book on money sex and power no that's a great there, a book about money there is a go. book by richard foster <laughs> on money sex and power called Money, money, sex, and, and power. power. And uh, it's so if you couldn't get to a time machine and get to Lucy's mm. Church uh, in the whenever that was, um, that is a great book on it. But those those are really alluring forces, and they, they are, you know, so if you're a leader and you get a bit of those things within the church, even if you had great, grand mm. goals, it, there's a chance, isn't there, that you might mm. succumb to, you know, actually having a nice lifestyle. With the young people that we work with, do what do they want? Do they want to be leaders? Sorry, I've got my hand in my face. Um, do they Producer want Rachel to be? Just she just you. wrestled my hand over my mouth. Um, do they want? How do they want to be leaders? Do we know what kind of leadership they they envisage themselves operating in? Like when we say to a young person, "Come and preach this Sunday," or "Help lead this small group," and we see it as we want to raise you up and give you a voice. And do they perceive it as that? Or do they perceive it as, oh, I'm just going to give them a chance to do so? Like, I, it's interesting to think, because we have now there's so many machines around mm. raising up young people, mm. great resources. Um, I wonder how our young people experience leadership training, actually. Well, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but something that I am noticing more and more in this specific micro-generation of young people that we have right now, yeah. uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this in, in future podcasts, uh, is uh, they love collaborative there's less and less thirst for individual, I want to be on the platform up front, mm. leadership. And often, so uh, I've experienced more in the last year, that, you know, going to a young person saying, will you speak? And they'll say, I'll do it if I can do it with my two friends. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, would you lead this? Yeah, I'd lead it. Could I lead it with that yeah, person and that great. person? Now, those are only indicative, but those are really exciting signs yes, yeah. of leading that, leaving that kind of culture mm. behind. So I hope yeah. that this generation is is about because they are yeah. about collaborative and that is part of the reason that is so exciting is I've got to that I've got to this age where I've done that thing where I start thinking oh my goodness this generation is so important because the task that they have the world that they need to create mm. what is in front of them requires so much of them mm. <laughs> in terms of um, addressing all mm. sorts of really significant issues if they if, if we if we raise up leaders who are 
just about com- just about communicating on a stage, mm. or aren't about collaboratively doing mm. the grassroots stuff that will that will mean yeah. the world will be okay. Like they, th- those aren't the leaders we need. Yes. Those, those aren't. That's not the leadership that is going to yeah. take hold of the huge social problems we've yeah. got. And so, if they are by instinct doing that very thing, I mean, yeah. that's so exciting. I'm, I'm saying as well. It's it, it's more an interest in influencing leadership as well. So one of the things that I'm thinking of now, really hungry to make a difference. Like really mm. want to be able to see less, you know, suicide attempts among their friends, and what can they do to make it? And and so they kind of see it as leadership, but more like, like what can I do? How can I change this? And and are less interested, as you say, as mm. the sort of token ideas of visibility, and much more interested in being equipped to change things. Yeah, 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 to live out their faith and have multiple ways that their faith impacts society around them in a really powerful mm. way. So stories of the Christian leaders who are behind the scenes changing society through these ambassadors. Like it, it, suddenly these are stories that really resonate with those and like, oh my god, I think I can do that. I want to be the person to do that. I think that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. it makes it just how important it is that yeah. we have we we have heroes and heroines that yeah. we that we Those people who aren't, aren't <laughs> they aren't claiming it for themselves yeah. because they are quietly doing that work of yeah. servant leadership. But we think about those people and we point to them and yeah. we say, yeah, the way you do things is amazing. So, wonderful conversation. But Lucy, there is a, a, a reason why we, um, we invited you in here. And then, under false pretenses, <laughs> got you to yeah. waffle for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Or waffled at you. I wanted to tell your dear listeners well, well, why don't you tell us? Okay. Draw near to the microphone, and this is your moment. Okay. Well, some of you may be aware already that we have been at Eastgate talking to London School of Theology about the need for more research into youth ministry, um, but also not just um, new stats and kind of headlines, but we want, we want research that's really engaged with theology, that is rooted in scripture and in like a really deep and rich understanding of of God and the church and what is going on. And so, um, incredibly, LST have found some money and they have um, said that they will pay one student's fees to do a Master's in Theology if they work with Youthscape on something of interest, youth ministry. So we are are launching this scholarship, um, Youthscape and LST. So we are looking for um, an individual who wants to study, like they are interested in doing some research, um, you don't have to have a theology degree, but you have to be, you know, interested in theology. You, must, you need to be able to kind of pick it up mm-hmm. and, and sort of run with it over a year or so. You can do it full time. You could do it part time over two years. Uh, you get to be jointly supervised by me at Youthscape Towers. Wow. Work with the young people here. Um, and you get to also be based down at LST and engage with their amazing faculty. And I mean, it's is just an amazing opportunity not least because like it's seven grand a week worth of fee mm. to pay um, but also you, you get to work on something that's actually going to make a difference and all, so often in, in research you do something and it transforms you and you, sh- you show it to your mum and dad but it often just goes onto the shelf yeah. but we want to take what you produce and we want to glean all the wisdom from it we want to um, just squeeze out everything that we can and give it back to youth workers those who mm. work with young people so that, so that they can actually apply it do its work out there in the real world, transforming lives. So the person that applies this, do they need to come to you with a fully formed idea of what that area of the research might be, or is that sort of 
Well, so what, we, what we've decided to do is, is each year, we're hoping to do this for three years in a row, we're going to have a theme where we want to say, we'd like some applications around this theme. But if you have a different idea that you think is better, we want to hear it. So you, it doesn't have to be fully formed, it just has to be good enough that you can persuade us that this needs to be done and it's going to make a difference. And if you're, if you're not quite confident about that, you think, oh, maybe there's a thing I'm interested in, just um, pick up the phone, give me a call or send me an email and I can, I can work with you to work that idea up. So don't be put off, don't be scared, just get in touch and learn more about it. But our 2020 theme, which is for the next year of study, if you don't have an idea, is, um, is about social media and smartphone use. We want somebody to uh, potentially develop a theological response to some aspects of young people's social media or smartphone use. And I mean, that throws up so many possibilities. Mm. We could have somebody explore what the practice of Sabbath could mean for young people who are 24-7 connected to their phones. We could think about um, physical space um, and, and, and how you're in multiple spaces at the same time and what that means. You could have a think about peer relationships, identity, avatars. Is it okay to have multiple selves? Um, or theologically, do we, do we need to have one self? What's integrity? There's so much we could explore in that. So, um, but we, we're happy to work with people to kind of develop something. Um, but, but you need to sort of give, get in contact fairly soon because applications will close at the end of September or Ooh. a February start. That's a couple of weeks. So um, they can find out more, uh, youthgate.co.uk and then the research section. Which I should just mention, the research section of the new Super Duper Youthgate website is rather beautiful, isn't it? it You've is. got all these articles and mm. blog posts and research reports and downloadable copies of the story. Yeah. It's, it's actually annoyingly better than the innovation, <laughs> the innovation <laughs> section. I had a long Ooh. lead in time, I would say. Yeah. But it's lovely because you look at it and go, oh, look, I am doing stuff. Yeah, look at that. So I think some people might be listening to this, Lucy, and saying, I think that's for me, but this might be a barrier, this might yeah. be a barrier. We want them to get in touch with yeah. you, chat to you, yeah. and actually in conversation. Yeah, let's try and take those barriers down together. Yes. Um, so don't sign yourself off because you live quite far away Absolutely. or you've never done formal education mm. or etc. etc. Just come along and have a chat. Yes. Brilliant. Wonderful. Sounds exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about Amazing. this. Amazing. Nice plug. Uh, so um, we need to do some shout outs yes, before we, we go. Yes, we do. So it's the mighty people of Preston who are increasingly taking All into the their people. hearts. And uh, I lo I'm loving Preston. I mean, I'm actually not even recording this in Preston because Silver Boy's moved. But I will be loving you, people of Preston. And I hope that we're going to have a long, fruitful time together. Anyway, stop talking. Yes, talk good. Hello to uh, Alan Galt and also to Gareth Crispin. And to wonderful oh, Joe Taylor. You know Gareth Crispin? Yeah. Oh, nice. Look. And then Joe Taylor, you are amazing. We love you. We love giving you a shout out. So that's for all of you guys. 